The Click owns this business. Coming down the aisle, Bimbo, Jimbo, baby, who is? You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Give me a hell yeah. From our 1077 The Bone Studios in downtown San Francisco, this is In The Click, Bimbo Jimbo, alongside my tag team partner, Baby Huey. Hello and welcome again, everybody. Been a couple weeks, but we're live, pal. That's not been in like a couple weeks, more like a week and a half. It feels like a long time. I miss your face, Jimbo. Good to see you again. Hey, it's good to see you too. I was traveling with the Golden State Warriors, doing our thing, and whoo. Las Vegas, it was great. Oh my god! I went, well, first, I mean, let me finish. I was gonna say I miss your face, not the beard. <laughs> and by the way, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I implore you, the beard is killing it. By Dude, the way, it's thin right now. I had it trimmed. Okay, I had it trimmed up. You know, looking for some trim. Uh, beard is a finder of trim. I don't need to look anymore, and that's why it's staying. So again, like it or not. Learn to love it because it's the best thing going. <laughs> Actually, I got to admit, yesterday, Lamont Antonelli on the air wanted me to grow mine out. I forgot we had the subject. Oh, because yesterday was uh, no beard day. Or was okay. it today? Anyway. Oh, was that one of those stupid international days that they Something do? like that. And so they're like, oh, Huey, this is your day since you can't grow a beard. Got him. <laughs> and then got ye- yesterday it was, uh, got they talked about, I think that getting ready for Movember, and they were like, oh, yeah. you should do it. And I was like, guys, I tried it for like a week, and I gave up. I shaved it off because, like, all I get is patches of facial hair, and then I get, like, that little, yeah, like. like Joe Dirt. Yeah, the neck beard part, like, it, like, feels like porcupine, like, what you, what's those things called? Porcupine needles. needles. Like, stabbing my my lower part of my neck. Yeah, so. this, this is good because it's, so it's telling to... the listening audience why you are such a jealous hater exactly. of my beard. Yeah, I think beards are overrated. I think they're great. No, I, I'm, I'm, I regret that it's taken me so long to do this because now, now it's here to stay. We should like do a bet one of these days well, where the I'm beard's bet, on the I'm line. Put the beard, beard on the line. putting it on oh, the Come line. on. No, do it for the show. <laughs> do it for the show. But anyway, what I'm the saying. for me. <laughs> oh, so first off, I apologize for if I cough or anything. I've been battling the bad cold for like the last week and a half. I sound like. Huey's entrance. Uh, it's only like Vince McMahon now. His yeah. wrestler has a violin. Hey. He's like Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> yeah. Always a sad violin playing for baby Huey yeah. on his click. But no, what I'm saying is so like I don't want to do Movember because like I don't have the patience to sit through one trying to grow it out because then I feel like I look ridiculous with the patches and stuff. And then like I said, it just feels annoying. Like if I bend my neck down and like it stabs myself and it's just a pain in the ass. Used to it. No, I, I, I don't want to do it. You I, should give it a shot. No, never. Well, it is good to be back in studio yes. with you uh, after jet setting to Las Vegas and Silicon Valley uh, last week. And now to be back in here to talk some pro wrestling on In the Click, 107 Sons of the Bones. Hit new podcasts all about pro wrestling. First off, thank you again to everyone who's been tuning in. The numbers just keep increasing. Our presence here in the Bay Area and Northern California, I think just worldwide for all the wrestling fans out there, 
the in the click show is growing in mass numbers, so we appreciate it. But uh, yeah, I mean, how was opening night for you? You're all ha- get the glad to get the season underway and all that stuff. I can't believe the NBA season is back. Uh, it was cool to see the, the the third championship ring that I'll be receiving here in short order. So. Sorry, Ric Flair. I got to have three rings to your two WWE Hall of Fame rings, you but like, yours are cooler. But. You should be like Cody and have people kiss it. I should. I should. I, I am look, I'm very much so looking forward to this third one, I think, more than any of the others. Although the Why? first one has, uh, just because it was back-to-back and the finish to that feud in Cleveland and everything like that. It was the blow-off match, you know? So it was it was, it was, it was how it all went down. So, okay. I hear uh, you. I, I, I like it. But I am excited to be talking wrestling again with you, baby Huey. I missed it. I did. I felt like, you know, uh, there was something missing from this routine of this routine being on the road. And like, you know, I didn't even get to really uh, watch the shows live. I had so much to catch up on when I when I got back. So it is good to be back in studio here talking wrestling on In the Click. So let's start with uh, something that happened not this past week on Raw, but the week before and the sort of the fallout from Super Showdown that you and I were speculating about Mm -hmm. on our last episode that we did, um, you know, the main event, Undertaker versus Triple H, and the beatdown that followed. So on mm-hmm. Monday Night Raw, after Super Showdown, mm-hmm. we did, in fact, get Triple H and Shawn Michaels in the ring. Oh. Uh, cut what I thought was a fantastic promo and announcing that, in fact, DX is the, it's the inevitability that we all, you know, it was it was right in front of our face. I didn't want it. I don't know how I feel about it, but they do announce DX reuniting. It was a great segment. It was a very cool segment. I mean, Sean and Triple H killing it on the mic. But I can't shake this feeling down inside that they're doing this for the wrong reasons. Did it's it like the crushing Rocky, down. It's not, and it hurts inside. <laughs> uh, it's like the Rocky Balboa stuff in the basement. And look, I'm yeah. never gonna. I think we talked about this. It is not on us to tell anybody in whatever line of work that yeah. they're doing whether or not they should stay retired or, or what have you. And, you know, just because to appease how I feel a certain way about a certain storyline and stuff, but they, for hey, Michael every, Jordan. everything that Shawn Michaels had said publicly about staying retired rang very true to me. And it sounded like Shawn was being genuine in terms of the fact that, you know, he cared about the fact that, you know, he's the only one that really honored his word and stayed retired. You know, all these other wrestlers, they come back and forth and, you know, he's fine with that, but he wanted his to be different. It feels weird to me because now with all this Saudi Arabian money coming in, they really like, you know, Sean and and Triple H and Undertaker and Kane. They want to do this thing in Saudi Arabia, all this money coming in. And that's what gets Sean to come out of retirement. So it just right now, the story isn't quite there yet where I can be fully on board in spite of that great segment because, and I know Triple H is involved in this whole Undertaker, Sean feud thing, but really the personal aspect and the thing that revolves around Sean was a one-on-one with the Undertaker. It was Sean's mm-hmm. obsession with the Undertaker. It was the two matches that they had at WrestleMania that, that set this incredible, untoppable bar at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, DX versus Brothers of Destruction doesn't have that same appeal to me. And that's going to be, that's how you're bringing Sean back is in this tag match. And it's, so I don't know. How did you feel about one, the segment and just your thoughts on what's going on? Well, yeah, yeah you're right. Watching it. I mean, it got the nostalgia effect. Like, oh my God, this is, attitude era again and shows 
these guys, not only they're great in-ring performers, but they're just great on the mic, and they know how to express themselves and get a point across and get you invested. But I'm with you as far as it hasn't had enough buildup to really get me over the top, like super excited for this. I'm like, oh, okay, DX coming back. That's cool. But it's more about it. They keep saying DX reunion, and I mean, they, they kind of hint at, yeah, like Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement, but it's more of DX reuniting. That's how they're kind of selling it as. And you're right, you're right as far as this is more feels like Triple H bringing Shawn Michaels into his problem yeah. or his current issue or conflict that he's dealing with. It's not, doesn't seem organic enough as far as it should be. You Okay, what you're saying is if Sean's going to come out of retirement and break the promise or whatever, staying true breaking to the storyline, breaking the storyline, it needs to be more organic and feel realistic or natural that it's Sean it be, needs, being pulled in. This, his, yeah. this is his story to break. Or for, it really, well, storyline wise, it shouldn't be Sean's decision to make. Mm hmm. Because he lost the match. That was yeah. his career. That was them's were the stakes. So he's like, I'm done. Like, what's- you know, like he lost his career to The Undertaker, WrestleMania 26. I, I would have preferred something where how I always thought about it. For, and I thought about it a lot because obviously I've missed Shawn Michaels. And don't get me wrong. I miss seeing Shawn on my TV wrestling. I mean, he left. He was still better than anybody in the game. And he probably still is. I don't doubt that he could still be the best again. Mm hmm. But how I always envisioned it was if he was going to ever come back, it had to be the Undertaker releasing him from that stipulation. Him saying, you know, like, you know, like in this case, Brothers of Destruction are pissed off at Sean and Undertaker for what happened in Australia. I would have maybe gone a different route and had the Brothers of Destruction call out Sean and Undertaker say, I release you from that stipulation. And at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia, it's going to be the Brothers of Destruction putting down Degeneration X once and for all, as opposed to it just being Sean saying, okay, now I'm going to come back. Because, again, I'm, I like storylines in wrestling. Storyline-wise, it shouldn't have been Sean's decision to make. Now, real life, of course that's Sean's decision to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in just terms of WWE continuity, you know, he, lost, he lost his career. Yeah. Well. So it just it should have been more about that. And again, you're right too because you say that the way they're promoting is about this DX reunion. That's burying the lead mm-hmm. for eight and a half years. The narrative is Mr. Shawn WrestleMania yeah. has been forced into retirement, yeah. and that the, I feel like they've lost sight of that sort of narrative, and that and that bothers me. Interesting. Yeah, you brought that up. I was just going to say earlier was. Hey, look at Michael Jordan. He's came out of retirement twice. So Shawn Michaels, the fact that he's been retired this whole time, props to him. But look at Brett Favre. Yeah. He might still come back. Yeah. Really? He's not going to come oh. back, no. You never know, though. <laughs> never rule it out. The he's, old gunslinger might, might put, put the old six-gun back on his belt. He wears those copper things that he does those commercials yeah. for. It helps his bones. I love Brett Favre. I never, the, the retirement's never bothered me one bit. <laughs> I thought he got screwed over by Green Bay. Favre over <laughs> Rodgers for life. <laughs> Uh, I well, love Brett. Well, I mean, Favre, that is. Well, how, what is a better way to do this then? That's what, like I said. As far as, okay, Sh- Sh- Undertaker, like, saying, like, he's in control of Sean's Destiny. livelihood. Yeah. And saying, hey, I'll let you do this. But would a DX reunion make more sense? I think it'd be more powerful just one-on-one. I agree. I, and I think during WrestleMania to- season... Yeah, but no matter what you're going to – like, they've decided they're going to go forward with this tag match. Okay. So, so they're doing that. So it's based, still, the onus should have still been on The Undertaker being like, this is what I want. He's the master puppet yeah. here. They, well, he's the 
he's the controller of Sean's sort of retirement fate because mm-hmm. he won that match. Um, and I think you could have done some cooler stuff with that. I mean, you could whatever have him like strike that contract with lightning and have it burn on the table on Raw or whatever, and then that's like mm-hmm. nullifying the contract and Sean's career is back on. That's kind of cool to me, as opposed to the hokey, you know, Bludgeon Brothers of Destruction promo that they cut the next Raw accepting the challenge from DX. Which, I, by the way, nice I put that on Facebook. <laughs> Baby Huey totally did not get it when I said the Bludgeon Brothers of Destruction, alluding to the hokey kind of promo that. You know, the Brothers of Destruction cut on Raw being akin to the Bludgeon Brothers. <laughs> Huey texts me, like, with, like, the John Nash, like, algorithm or the Zach Galifianakis from Hangover, like, like trying to carry the one and figure out what the hell I was talking about. Huey, explain yourself <laughs> before you die. I'm sorry. It's like I said, I'm getting over cold, so please, I'm trying my best to cough away from the mic. But when I, I read that, and I know you were watching Raw a little bit uh, after me. And so I saw a good portion of Raw up until that point before you did. And so I was like, what are you talking about promo? Because I thought the best promo of the night was Ronda Rousey. So I thought you were referring to Ronda Rousey. I was hating on the promo, though. Okay. Well, <laughs> like I always thought you were talking about the in-ring promos. Technically, their promos was backstage. I d- pre-recorded somewhere. Facebook right now. But what I'm saying I said, is sweet bludgeon brothers of destruction promo on raw. And I did an eye roll emoji. Not too hard to decipher. No, I, cause I, well, first off, so you, by the way, like us on Facebook at in the click, follow us on Instagram at in the click and Twitter. And you can email us in the click at gmail.com. So what you're saying is you think the bludgeon brothers promos are, are campy. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> we've talked about this. No, but I, I thought, because I thought Blunger Brothers, you know, they they come off of these terrifying, scary they dudes. They look like idiots. And so I thought, oh, so you're saying Undertaker and Kane look scary like those two guys? No. That's what I thought. No, what you thought, you thought I was talking about Ronda Rousey yeah. for some reason. Yeah, but then when you texted me back, no, you meant the uh, Kane and Undertaker. I'm like, oh, okay. So you think they're, they're it's a scary promo just like Bludgeon Brothers is. That's what I thought. You've missed the point entirely. It was late at night. I was tired. I was recovering from the Aftershock Festival. Oh, it's been my a busy God. weekend. Oh, my God. I was tired by the time yeah, you and I, I were talking. You going to work that day. Yes, I did not go to work that day. Interesting. Yeah, you were still tired. Yeah, because anyway, it was like we it was 10 something that night. We digress. But so, I mean, they are going forward with uh, this tag match. Uh, I'm trying to really psych myself into it though, because I mean, it, I mean, hell, it's it's HBK back wrestling again and everything. True. I, I'm curious, like, how's his he, life? Yeah, and it, like, if he has, like, yeah, like what you said, Rocky Balboa has a little something inside of him that he still wants to go out there maybe one more time. Then he has every right to do it, of course. And we respect the fact up to this point. Hey, eight and a half years away from the ring, has anyone else done it for that long? I don't think so. So no matter what, what he what he has accomplished already. Respect to that for as far as being, quote, retired. I mean, technically, Ric Flair hasn't had a match in WWE. Now, he did his thing in TNA and whatever, but I quote Ric Flair. What's TNA? Who are they? So Ric uh, Flair said that? Yeah. When? Uh, years ago. It was great. It's a great clip. Uh, well, <laughs> and then he went to TNA, which is hilarious. Oh, okay. But, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. But no, wait. Ric Flair cannot wrestle anymore. Sure he can. No, he cannot. Dude, Nature, SmackDown Nature Live. Boy can do whatever Nature Boy wants. Dude, SmackDown Live, man, he was... We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Uh, So, keeping with WWE Crown Jewel, though, I mean, there's a lot 
going on with Saudi Arabia that's far beyond the scope of this program to yes. discuss in terms of geopolitics and, and everything. And I don't know, like killing dissident writers and everything like that. But Saudi Arabia is in the news because apparently there is this writer that was assassinated from the Washington Post, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and as I'm reading about it a little bit, and again, I am not by any means an expert on this, but I don't know if it's the same prince, but a rumor is that a frequent companion of a Saudi Arabian prince is the one that did this thing, and then you have WWE that's in bed financially with Saudi Arabia for this 10-year contract or whatever mm-hmm. it's proposed to be mm-hmm. and all these events. There is pressure on WWE uh, from back here at home to not, go forward with crown jewel yeah uh, up to this point every indication is that wwe is in fact going forward with crown jewel i mean they're still publicizing it obviously uh and it looks like that they will do you think that they should well it's interesting you brought this up because i was talking to chas and chas the other day was like oh my god you see what's going on with this uh reporter for the washington post and what happened in saudi arabia and i said yeah to be honest like, there's a wrestling angle in all this so i was trying to explain to her you know, with Crown Jewel and all that. And she's like, wow. So it was just interesting how this is a much bigger issue, a worldwide, you know, issue right now. Um, Because a lot of people online are saying, like, what's more important, like money, this big pot of money that they're going to get up front for doing this event or the long-term effects? Like, this could be, like, a really bad PR move that could put the WWE in a negative light for many years to come as far as, like, you went over there when their people did this to this reporter. Yeah. It's I, it's a really tough situation, gray area, I think. It's... To answer the question, uh, I, if, if from my optics, I don't think that they should go forward with the show. That being said, we don't know that the Saudi government was really behind this, but, I mean... It looks like they were. And it was at, because he went over there to get, like, uh, some documentation. I guess he's trying to get married. And where, I mean, there's stories out there about what happened to this guy. What was he doing over there in the first place? But I guess he wrote a kind of a negative article yes. about their government or, or about them over there in Saudi Arabia. And they got mad. And it's just like, it's, first off, these people get so mad over one article piece. To kind of go to that extreme and do that, like wow. I mean, it's tales old as time. I mean, stuff yeah. going on in the Soviet Union. It's, yeah. It's, so it happens. It's interesting because WWE apparently has scrubbed any reference of Saudi Arabia from their website, social media. Crown Jewels, just Crown Jewel by itself, is being advertised on everywhere on the website and stuff. But the term or mention of the location Saudi Arabia is gone. So there was a rumor maybe WWE is trying to move it to the UK because the following. Or that Monday, they're doing Raw from the UK somewhere, I think, that night. Manchester, I believe, something. So maybe they're trying to quickly find a way to maybe move it to the UK as well and just do the pay-per-view there and do Raw there. But the other thing you got to look at, I think what they're worried about is if they back out, they can get sued for breach of contract. contract. And plus, it's a huge amount of money. From what I've heard, they make more money from, like, Greatest Royal Rumble than they did from, like, WrestleMania and stuff. Mm-hmm. This is a massive, massive deal. That being said, even without this, I would prefer WWE to not be in this arrangement with Saudi Arabia because, you know, there, there's... And again, this is not our forte to discuss these yeah, issues we're on the show. From I know you, guys, I, you guys didn't come in to hear this, but I'll just say this. The sort of... The, the proof is in the pudding in terms of the fact that WWE can't have their women go and work... Saudi Arabian shows. 
that's a problem for me. Is that you want it? You if you want our product, you get all of our product. You know, you get all of our performers. You know, and we don't aren't going to play by your antiquated backwards rules about this. Mm-hmm. If you love WWE and you want this product, well, guess what? The women are a big part of this product, and in yeah. some areas, the biggest stars that we have. Mm-hmm. And so they're not able to go and work these shows, which I, I know has you know rubbed a lot of people the wrong way in that locker room and just fans all over that love WWE. So I just there's a lot of red flags about this relationship anyway. And we're going to talk about SmackDown 1000 here in a little bit. And not to get overly rah-rah, but the to me, the greatest moment in SmackDown history was the first SmackDown after 9-11 mm-hmm. when Vince McMahon came out there and gave that great and passionate speech. Lillian Garcia gave that incredible rendition of the national anthem. The entire roster. Yeah. That, to me, is what WWE is a great company. And I, and I, and I really believe that they do so much great work home and abroad for so many people for cancer research for the troops for all these make a wish make a wish all these different causes i just feel like in certain ways this deal undermines sort of their uh for lack of a better term moral authority so i would like to see them try and get out of this to be honest yeah and And plus maybe it means Shawn michaels will go back into retirement we'll get a better storyline to bring him out of it i don't know yeah well that's i'm with you there i i I think it might be the best decision just try to pull out or if they want to keep Crown Jewels going, move it to a different location, different country or something like that. But, yeah, I think it might be best just to get out of there because there's already a lot of stigma around this whole pay-per-view anyway as far as all the money on the line and, you know, certain people are wrestling that night just because of the big payday. So it just already has a lot of baggage around it. And I just think, yeah, from a PR standpoint, there might be people like, I'm not going to support WWE anymore because – they went over there and everything they represent right now is not what I want. But Randy Orton, I think on TMZ was caught by TMZ and he was kind of encouraging. They should go over there kind of help keep the momentum of change going that Saudi Arabia has been trying to do as far as like women just started driving recently. Like they're trying yeah, that, to make I some mean, change. And, and, and I understand his point there. That is a valid point. He was saying it's like we should go to kind of just keep this positive change moving along and there is a history of sports helping with openness in other countries. I mean, you want to take an example? I mean, like Fidel Castro was a huge Joe DiMaggio fan, and like he won like an autographed baseball from Joe DiMaggio. It's just so there are those things, and like uh, they, I mean, look at Dennis Rodman, ambassador <laughs> to North Korea, apparently. So I, I I get what Randy's saying, and I actually really do like the fact that WWE is doing more shows in other countries and stuff yes. like that. So they just have to be smart about it. I know it's a real sensitive subject, and they're probably not. A perfect way or answer for all this but i i just think concerning the events right now it might be best for wwe to pull out of this somehow and it, the fact that they're doing two events this year already it's like man that's a big investment already it's like You're getting paid a lot of money pal i know i know and but yeah it's i don't know if there's if they can get out of it and i mean i wonder if they have to pay money back to them somehow with the breach of contract i don't know how it works i just think it might be best, yeah, for them just to pull out at this point and just stay face that way. I don't know. It's a real sensitive subject. I keep saying that. I know. It's just I, I don't know if there's a, like I said, a perfect answer for all of it. But. Yeah. 
Well, mm. we will we'll see how that whole story develops. Thanks for bearing with us uh, on our political talk here on In the Click. <laughs> we promise, or at least we'll attempt to not do that again. But, you know, when, when the president's a WWE Hall of Famer, sometimes these things cross over. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> so, so, you know, well, I, no, no, I saw the, him shave Vince McMahon's head. Well, okay, no, thank you for just reminding me. It's like I think the problem is right now, I think the rumor is Vince still wants to go. And I think unless he gets like an actual message either from President Trump or someone in the government saying, do not go over there, I think the plans is to still keep the show going. So I think unless, you know, there's just a lot of people criticizing it, but unless like a high power official, government official tells them, no, do not go. I think that's what's holding. That's what if this show does not want to happen there, I think someone in the government needs to speak up and encourage them not to go. Well, could, could this affect Linda McMahon's position in the White House? I don't think it'll affect her position at all. But or just I, her but stand- People in Congress have already called for WWE to not go. Okay. Um, but, yeah, anyway, we'll see how that goes. Let's let's get back to the fun. Uh, Ronda Rousey on Woo! Raw, that, uh, that promo you thought I was talking about on Facebook, uh, was something actually I did enjoy, which was Ronda Rousey undressing, so to speak, the Bellas verbally. Uh, she caught a little bit of a, a reaction, at least online, with her. Uh, I thought it was a great one-liner. First of all, for an extended promo, I thought Rhonda did really well on her own. Yeah. Yes, very good. Some of it came off a little like um, pre-rehearsed, a little bit like yeah. some some of the big words she used and stuff like that came off a little little pre-rehearsed. But I thought she did really well overall. And the one-liner that everybody was talking about was when she told Nikki Bella that the only door that she ever knocked down was to John Cena's bedroom oh. was amazing. Yeah, that was great. What, what did you think about it? I loved it. I Like, when it, when word got out back at Royal Rumble that Ronda Rousey was coming to WWE, I was a little skeptical. Just, you know, she's a UFC person. She has no wrestling experience as far as pro wrestling experience. How is she going to be on the mic? Because... In the past at UFC, she just you know she just go out there and kicks people's ass and and does the occasional interview. But like, could she handle being the full package of a wrestler, not only in ring skills, but being on the mic, being a personality, getting people invested as her as a character, building this larger than life persona? And she has blown me away every step of the way up until this point. She's, I mean, obviously she's a natural athlete. So seeing how fast she's picked up the in-ring, in-ring work is amazing. Like I, we said before, it's like Kurt Angle is probably the easiest comparison. Someone who kind of jumped in there and just naturally picked yeah. up very quickly. But on the mic, I know she was a little, like, was since WrestleMania or WrestleMania season, little skeptical about her mic skills. But in the last six months, she ha- is improving. She sounds more confident now. She's going out there and delivering with emotion and just it keeps getting better and better. So this promo is shows how in six months how much better she is. I loved it. I love that she was aggressive. She has the way she holds the mics, you know, sideways, kind of barking at the Bellas. But as I said, speaking with confidence, she's she's delivering zingers out there. It's improving. Like I said, there was a couple moments she kind of either, you know, mumble or stumble on her words or or as you say, it kind of felt like it was a little rehearsed or scripted in that sense. But nonetheless, overall, it was great. It, like that was one of the big highlights from Raw was her promo package. So I can't give her enough kudos. I think she's doing an awesome job, and just shows she must be just such a great student of this wrestling sport that she's picking up everything so fast. Yeah, she's clearly working really hard, and yeah, she's been a, like I say every time we talk about her, she's been an absolute home run. 
uh, for WWE so far. Some people took issue with the the John Cena's bedroom line, uh, but Nikki's a heel. Yeah, it's not slut shaming. If you if you believe in that stuff, it's not slut shaming. Nikki is playing a villain on TV, people. Yes. And villains get made fun of by yes. by the good guys in pro wrestling, and that's one of the things. She was on a reality show about her relationship. Yeah, I mean it's no secret about her relationship with John I'll, Cena. I'll tell you one thing: I don't like uh, on Monday Night Raw in terms of uh, a female to male relationship. Mm-hmm. I do not like how often on commentary they're asking Renee Young about Dean Ambrose's mindset. Yes, I I, I, I agree I, with you. The first couple of weeks, I didn't do it really at all. And now it's just been a steady diet of that. And I think that kind of undermines Renee. She's not just Dean Ambrose's wife. Yeah. And that's never been her real on-screen persona. I, I don't like how often it gets thrown. It's like, well, what was Dean like? Did it, stop it. And I kind of says, well, hey, I haven't seen him in a couple hours. Yeah, I don't know what he's been, been doing. She's very good at Brushing it off, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I just, it rubs she, me the wrong way. She has more to bring to the table, the commentary table, than just being, yeah, Dean Ambrose's husband, or sorry, wife, and and... It's like, yeah, that's the only expertise she has when she sits there for three hours. Yeah, I'm with you. It's like, quit talking about that. And I mean, it wasn't until she joined the, the commentary table that it's really been out there in the open. I mean, I know Miz was it last year, made the he reference, did, yeah. but it, it's not something they, they've and I don't been think, addressed before, but now they're beating it in our heads. And don't get me wrong. I don't think it's with intent because Corey Graves has done a lot. I, th- I think Corey's just trying to be more insightful and sort of like trying to you know, be good at his job in terms of like getting, you know, deep insight about what Dean Ambrose frame of mind is. I don't think it's really a conscious thing that, that it's, that he thinks it's undermining Renee at all. And Renee may very well have told him like, I don't care. Go ahead and ask. Okay. I just think from, from my perspective as a fan, uh, I, I don't think it's, I think it's just a little too soon to sort of be going down that, down that road with her. Uh, and so I just, I would prefer if they sort of lay, laid off on that. Yeah, that's something that I've definitely noticed over the last few weeks. No, I'm with you. It's just like quit acknowledging that because for anything, I think it. Okay, Lana and Rusev, we all know they're married and stuff. But yeah, but that was an on-screen thing. Too. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, for me, it's like unless they have an exact storyline involving each other, keep the two separate. Yeah, I mean, as far as keep kayfabe alive, as far as Dean's his own thing, doing his own thing, and let. Renee, just commentate on the situation, but don't try to bring her into this yeah. by just asking, oh, what was he like today as a way to kind of explain his mindset or what he's why his to explain his actions. What have you thought about all this or sort of the teasing of the, the, the split in the shield and stuff like that? I, I mean, I dig it. You dig. I'm at the point. It's like either get off the pot or get off the pot. Yeah. It's like either do it or not, because to me, the best heel turns are the ones that come out of nowhere that are a surprise. This one, the fact that they just keep talking about it, talking about it, I'm like, get over it either. Make a decision and move on or just end it. Like, for me, I'm getting kind of annoyed with it. It's like, just. I mean, I, I appreciate it in this sense that it's a slow build because Dean Ambrose wouldn't throw away those relationships so easily. So it has to be like a long build up process for him to really come. I don't think he's going to turn on. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't think it's going to happen because if he does, then it'll be like, Oh, all right. Well, we knew that was coming. He almost did go for the dirty deeds on Seth, though. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying, it's like, okay, if you're doing this slow burn and he actually does it, and it's like, all right, yeah, we knew it was coming. Look at the last, like, two months of buildup. It's like, not a shocker. Like, when Seth turned on the shield originally, that was a shocker because you didn't expect it happening. It just came out of nowhere. No point, like an RKO, out of nowhere. 
But that's what I'm saying. Those heel turns are always the best because it's a surprise. It's not telegraphed. This one, I feel like it's just filler right now for every episode of Raw. Well, now, after this week's episode of Raw, we also have uh, more of a split in the Dogs of War, Drew, Dolph, and Braun, Mm -hmm. with the accidental hitting of Braun during the match and then uh, a very intentional Claymore kick to Braun Strowman after the match, after Braun power slammed Dolph. What do you think is going to happen with the Dogs of War? Are they are they uh, fracturing? I, I mean, there's all all those the talk and speculation about Drew getting a singles push, which is certainly very well deserved. But what what do you? But they're tag champs right now. Well, Drew and Braun can have a program launch right now between the two of them, and Dolph can be on the outside looking in. And plus, since they're tag champs, it doesn't affect their current relationship. Yeah. And out of the two, it's more believable that Drew can be the one to stand up to Braun just from, you know, size comparison. But it'd be interesting, though, okay, if he's going to get a singles run, Drew, I'm referring to Drew, then you would imagine that they have to drop the tag belts pretty soon. Just yeah. It wouldn't make sense that he's getting this big singles push or starting one against Braun, and he's still currently tag champs. So it's like Dolph's just hanging out every week with the belts. It doesn't make sense. So Maybe, maybe yeah. So, or, okay, if if Drew and Braun start up a feud, who becomes the face? Well, I think Would they Drew? want. I think they want Drew to be a babyface. So maybe we're gonna have Dolph turn on Drew at some point in a tag match or something like that. Okay, and it'd be cost the titles. Yeah, maybe. And is it Drew and Braun a team now? Or excuse me, Dolph and Braun a team okay. now? Or I, I I don't know. But I'm getting tired of the their feud with the Shield anyway. Already at yeah, this point, me for too. it to be rumored to be going all the way through TLC scares the poop out of me. <laughs> uh, so I don't really want to see that continue on anyway. So I, I'm fine with them. No, and it logically makes sense too. Is like like heels can coexist as long as it doesn't interfere with their own needs and desires. You know, villains and stuff like that. Like you see it in comic books and everything like that. Why he, why like the Sinister Six and groups like that always ultimately fails because naturally they're villains so they're inherently selfish their own everything's a means to an end to them anyway so them imploding this soon makes total sense yeah i mean they're all on the same page because they have all common enemy common enemy common goal but yeah at the end of the day they are selfish at that point they want what's best for them and so as far as them breaking up right now i'm okay with it yeah just change change scenery okay we've had a couple pay-per-views now with this storyline let's move on but uh I am kind of excited to get, see Drew get a, a singles run. But with that being said, they'll probably have to drop the tag belts real soon. I'd rather them put AOP with Braun. Wow. That would be a really destructive unit. Yeah. I would I would much rather prefer that. That's much more intimidating, much more in line with sort of the – it would feel less shoehorned than the Braun, Dolph, and Drew alignment. Yeah, that know? was just kind of out of nowhere. Uh but don't bring like have Braun like eat Drake Maverick on TV. Like have him like do like what Big E did to that kazoo with Edge and Christian. Just like <laughs> eat him on live TV and have him send him back to 205 Live. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with the Dogs of War. Lashley now heel. Uh, overall, his return in general to me has been so underwhelming. Yeah, it's just so misused. Very flat. Yeah. God, right from the start, that long sit down interview with Renee Young where he's talking about his sisters and everything, smiling and, with his yeah. I told my sister, why don't you get on that broom and fly away? It's like, that was your zinger. I, like, <laughs> we're airing this. It was unairable. It was yeah. just awful. And I don't know. I, so. And then the whole Sammy's, Sammy Zane feud he had was kind of yeah. very poorly 
written. And so Kevin Owens gets written off to have surgery. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm not really feeling what they're doing with Lashley. Quick side note. So you think when Kevin Owens returns, he'll be a baby face? Could be. Or maybe it'll take him so long that he can just come back and be a heel. Yeah. Kev, Kevin Owens, I, it, I think he... Well, I was going to say, isn't the rumor it's six to eight months for his recovery time? Yeah. So he may be gone past WrestleMania. So yeah. you're right. When he comes back, he can... He's gone for so long. When he comes back, he can do whatever he wants in, in that moment. So if he wants to be a heel still, he can just continue his ways. Yeah. But yeah, Bobby Lashley, though, it's... I mean, the only reason I'm kind of excited for this heel turn is just a nice change of scenery and hopefully gives him something new to do, maybe jumpstart this lackluster return he's been having so far. What do you think of Leo Rush, though, the last couple of weeks with the microphone with him ringside? I feel it's a little bit distracting. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Yeah, it's honest. a little annoying, and I get it when it's annoying. Obviously, that means you're working. You're doing a good job as being a heel, but I just it then kind of takes away from each match. Yeah, I liked Leo Rush's interactions with Elias. Yeah, like, dude, the whole jumping over him, like that yeah. stuff was great. Like what, three weeks ago? Yeah, and now that's all for for nothing now yep. at this point because literally, literally overnight, they're like, oh, your heels now. So the last two weeks, they've been doing heelish tactics. Maybe you turn Elias' face uh, and you put him in a program with with Bobby. I'm all for that. If that gives jump starts Elias's big push that we've been wanting, yeah, I would love to see him be IC champ. Because, like we talked about, I mean, the crowd is so into his stuff that he could be a babyface very easily. Absolutely. So we'll. Yeah. But I, I, for Bobby Lashley, if this hey gives him some more material and makes his matches a little more engaging of what he does out there, uh, I'm all for it. As far as overall, it's just and plus Raw needs more heels right now, right? Is that kind of also been kind of the criticism with Raw? It's just Lack of heels. I don't know if Ron needs more heels. I th- I think that they just they just need to write smarter. There's just so much just so much waste on Raw. I don't think they need more of anything. I think they I think they just need to be more efficient. Well, I mean the only thing is with Leo. Okay, that's the other thing. Leo Rush is a heel on Two Hundred Five Live. So the fact that when he got first paired with Bobby Lashley and Lashley was a face. It, yeah. it, it didn't make sense. It's exactly. like, okay, you're heel on one show, but you're baby face. It's like Drake Maverick syndrome. Yes, exactly. Or uh, uh, Brie Bella. For <laughs> Yeah, that was the other thing about the Bella twin segment with Rhonda is, is like, it's weird that Brie is now so uber heel again after just feuding with Miz and Maurice and stuff like yeah. that. It's like, they don't, it's, they do not care. That's what happens when you're a free agent. <laughs> but anyway, the hate, one thing. I hate the free agents. What <laughs> I'm saying with Bobby Lashley, though, is yeah, with him being paired with Leo Rush, it was like, it was a Jim Ross. Jim Ross, I think, said on his podcast was, okay, if you're pairing with Leo Rush, that must mean a heel turn is coming if you're putting him with a guy who's a heel. I, see, I was more inclined to think that Leo was going to turn face. Okay. The man but, of the hour. But it's not what we got. No, no, you're right. It's just, well, I guess that way they want to make sure Leo Rush stays heel on every program he appears on now. Yeah. So Bobby Lashley, as a result, being connected to that has to be a heel as well. Yeah. All right, let's get to SmackDown 1000 because this is something that I I was very much so looking forward to. Uh, You know, SmackDown hitting this 1,000th episode milestone. I, to be totally honest, uh, much like Raw 25, I thought this fell very flat. I thought they did a kind of a piss poor job of putting over the impact of SmackDown. I thought, overall, what did you think about the show? I love... The opening video package. Yeah, I love the use of photos, pretty much coming out, uh, uh, coming out of commercials. I enjoyed that stuff as far as 
that was probably their easiest way to kind of reminisce about the major moments. But <laughs> what, what do you think? I I think they first off they only had two hours, so it seemed like they were trying to acknowledge SmackDown Live's history, but at the same time continue on building up the storylines for Crown Jewels as far as the the best in the world World Cup tournament. So they had those matches going on, and also, you know, uh, was it Miz and Rusev, which was interesting. Those guys were just in the ring already. They didn't get, like, their yeah. like, theme music to come out to. It, it it was interesting as far as they try to acknowledge all the major SmackDown players over the years, wrestlers from over the years, and give them a quick moment to shine. It was almost like they were trying to force-feed us as much as they can over a two-hour period. So they were glossing over a lot of things really fast. So I could see how it was just like, oh, I remember that person. I remember that person from SmackDown at some point over the years. It was very quick. I was a little disappointed. I thought some more big name people would show up. Like there was a rumor of The Rock. There was also, um, who else was they, people want? I mean, John Cena recorded just a video message. He didn't even show up. Uh, even Evolution, the whole Evolution thing, you and I were talking off the air about this for the last couple of weeks was, I kind of consider Evolution. You and I both said Evolution is more of like a, a raw stable. They were exclusively yeah. a raw stable. I mean, I get Evolution, Batista. Batista was a SmackDown guy, but Evolution was a raw stable. And so my, my thing, you mentioned the, the use of still images and stuff like that. I thought that did a disservice to the history of SmackDown. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Like to me, like you got two hours, which is plenty of time to one, get your qualifying matches in for the, for the World Cup tournament. Uh, you could you could get all the storyline stuff you needed in. Show me some video segments of like the best moments in SmackDown. Like this is one thousand oh, episodes okay. of SmackDown. Like I gotcha. actually play back some of that stuff for the fans that haven't seen it. Like just on my own, I was reminiscing about the history of SmackDown. We're gonna talk about our top five SmackDown superstars and something that, to be honest, like doesn't get enough play. Like you know Eddie Guerrero's in my top five of you know SmackDown superstars. You know during the brand split era. Man, some of the promos, like, one, Eddie was super entertaining, but one of my all-time favorite promos in wrestling history was right before he fought Brock at, at uh, No Way Out and won the WWE Championship was the the Addicts promo. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't watched it, look it up on YouTube. Just look up Eddie Guerrero uh, addiction promo. It should pop right up there for you. And it is one of the most raw, no pun intended, but just real, emotional, passionate promos that you will ever see to me. And I, I said this on social media. It was like the sort of the the spiritual sequel to the Hard Times promo by Dusty Rhodes. Because it's because Eddie speaking from the heart about his troubles with addiction, how he lost his family, you know, he lost his career, and how he worked his ass off to get back in that ring and win back the respect of his family and that his new addiction was providing for them and winning that championship represented, you know, the fact that he's going to be able to provide a better education. It is powerful stuff. And it reminded me of how good on the mic Eddie Guerrero was and how good so many of those guys were, because okay. there's, a, there's a moment in that promo where he goes, yeah, you're right. I am an addict, bro. And he goes to the crowd. He's like, I'm addicted to the high I get from them. And you never hear this mid promo raucous just like insane pop when he goes i'm addicted to the high that i get from them and they super pop for him you don't hear that so much anymore from a lot of guys and it just well i would i would have liked to see more stuff like that more you know more actual video package so you're saying the use of photos was kind of lazy yeah because like what 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 does that do and 
Because, yeah. uh, you know, a photo is worth a thousand words, but shows the actual video. Like, I mean, yeah, just show us some of those moments. You can clip them and keep them short and everything like that, but give us some of that stuff. Show, as, show a montage of Eddie coming out and all the different lowriders. You know, show what what made smash. Show some clips of JBL sweepers in and yeah. out of the, the commercials. Fact that JBL wasn't there. Yeah. By the way, was was a big deal to me. The fact that Taz wasn't there. You know, have my as much Paul as Heyman. I'm not a huge fan of Michael Cole. Yeah, have Paul Heyman there. Um, that was a huge miss for me. But it's like, actually, there was not even enough legends. Like, yeah, it was just they got the short shrift. I mean, where, whereas Raw 25 sucked, at least they had like a. Like a bevy, Cold of, a bevy of people that came for that. They didn't really do it up big for SmackDown 1000. Like you can't get JBL out there. What I wanted was you have currently the longest reigning SmackDown champion, the phenomenal AJ Styles. You have JBL show up, the guy that, you know, really to me is the biggest success story in SmackDown history in terms of brand split in mm-hmm. JBL, who was previously the longest reigning SmackDown champion. Have them have an interaction. And hell, have them on commentary for, for a couple of matches, you know? have get Do what you got to do to get Taz out there. Because he was a big part of that SmackDown brand. Yeah, you're right. Have, having Taz and Michael Cole on commentary this past week for even one match, like for Rey Mysterio's match, since they called, you know, Rey Mysterio matches mm-hmm. on SmackDown, would have been great. For me, yeah. as a fan. So, yeah, you're right. As far as I wish there was more guest appearances. Because I was really surprised Edge was there. Edge was a great appearance, I thought. Yeah, yeah. As far as, because I know originally there was rumor that Edge's, uh, the cutting room. What, what, cutting it? Edge. Cutting Edge was going to be uh, bumped. Originally oh, really? they wanted to have it, but apparently there was also rumor they were not going to have time for it. But I'm glad they actually got it into the show. I think that should have closed the show. That Cutting Edge should have been what ended the show. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed Edge's appearance on it. Cut a hell of a promo. What did you think of the opening sequence? I thought the opening sequence. Oh, with with Vince with the McMahons and yeah. and our and Truth TV. I thought that was fine. It was a it, fine fun. It ended pretty like, abruptly though, and I was like, it didn't really lead to anything. It didn't lead to anything, but that was I was okay with it. I like Vince just showing some personality, being fun and upbeat. What I liked about that was the crowd singing along "No Chance in Hell." Yeah, that was very cool. That was I got goosebumps for they that. They got turned Vince face now because of that. Apparently, so it's <laughs> Bobby Roode treatment. But <laughs> I, I just I don't feel like they did enough to really showcase the history of SmackDown. The evolution segment, while like enjoyable, like in a vacuum, had no business being on the 1000th episode of SmackDown. All to just promote a, a, a rumored match between Triple H and Batista. Just have just have Dave come out there and cut a promo. Have him talk about his relationship with Eddie Guerrero, which was incredibly strong. Uh, have him talk all this stuff, and then have him at the end. You can, like... You know, whatever, say something snide about Triple H or whatever, you know, have him say, that you know, I, I got to run wild here. My only regret is that Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays so I could kick his ass, you know, from one end of this <laughs> ring to the other like I always do. Very easy stuff. Actually, wasn't it Fridays and Thursdays back then? Well, but the, the the Paul Heyman shoot line is that JBL, the only reason why you were champion for so long is because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. Okay. Yeah, they used yeah. to tape on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so do, do something like that, but they... Yeah, the so more of, okay. I will say the so the video package at the beginning of the show I really enjoyed because I thought it summed up a lot of the great moments from the beginning to current present time. I love that, but I get what you're saying as far as instead of just all those photos, give us actual highlight packages of specific wrestlers, specific events. Yeah, as, as showcase the blue brand, yeah. man. I don't feel like they did it justice. Yeah, and that's too bad because honestly, for a, like, and you really got to have Paul Heyman on that show. 
at least in a sit-down interview, because, you know, when he was a writer for SmackDown, SmackDown was like the little engine that could. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody, th- you know, again, it was looked at as the B show and stuff like that. But for a good period of the brand split, much like it is today, still consistently was the better product. Mm-hmm. And, you know. When he was writing for that period of time, it was, it was really good. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, it was the best. And, you know, the fact that you couldn't shell out the big bucks to get The Rock there. I mean, it's The Rock show. He named it. Yeah, it's the Rock Show. You couldn't even he have to get a, a, video, a video statement from him. At least the fact that John, C- I would have loved for. J- I fell in love with John Cena on SmackDown. Yeah, the the Doctor of Thugonomics, John Cena. Is, I mean, when is, he called out Kurt Angle originally, his debut. Yeah, that was not the John Cena that I fell in love with. No, I, I get that, but I I remember that moment yeah. a lot because that, that was, was a big moment. Yeah. Yes, and they should have played that during the show. I mean. He's referenced it. Yeah, it's one thing to like promote it on your socials and stuff like that, but actually show some of those moments. If you want to have a special episode, it's got to be kind of like a clip show. Okay, yes, it's like yeah, one one of those sitcoms. Like when it, is it like when a sitcom goes off the air? They like have like, like a, the whole episode just highlights. Well, sometimes they do that, or sometimes they just have a clip show, like in a you know when they need a filler episode, yeah, or whatever. Okay, so. To make that work, since it's only two hours, you think they should just have one less match for the night? Yeah. And then that way that makes up for the, the lost time? Or Yeah, you could, they could have done a, a, any number of different things. Again, to the positive, I thought Edge's appearance was really good. I loved what he had to say to Becky Lynch in terms of like mm-hmm. talking about just his character as the rated R superstar and all the people he crushed and all the bridges he burned. The sacrifices. And that now he's all alone. Yeah. And I, I love – that was just such a cool – sort of perspective to have the, to add to that character to sort of get that insight to the supervillain's lair when all the dust is settled and everything like that. It's like, you're alone. Was it you worth know, it's it It's like all? the end of Godfather 3, which is a terrible movie, but I mean, it's, it's you know, it's Michael Corleone dying, a sad, old, lonely man. He's pushed everybody that's ever loved him away. And so I thought that was a cool thing for Edge. Becky's response was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I enjoyed that segment. That's what should have closed the show. What closed the show was The Undertaker walking out uh, to a super long entrance and saying one sentence. I know. Which he already had said on Raw, and then we go to Black. What the hell was that? And well, this is Like, how many times does Undertaker have to abuse you, SmackDown? When he cut that promo a couple years ago, he's like, SmackDown's always been my home, and da-da-da-da-da. Then he's been on Raw ever since. And then he comes here, and all oh, The Undertaker returns to his yard on SmackDown 1000. He says the same thing he said on Raw. I mean, Did he make an appearance a couple years ago on SmackDown? Yeah, yeah. and he, like, he was right before Survivor Series. He yes. was, like, telling, like, the team to, like, that's when he said, SmackDown's always been my home. Yeah. It's like, oh. Although <laughs> he was a big part about uh, of SmackDown. Uh, during the first brand split and everything like that. But I just, I was really disappointed, man. Yeah, well, at this point, can they, okay, between SmackDown 1000 episode, uh, Raw 25, uh, some, I mean, can they live up to the hype anymore? It's like, when was the last time that they had like a special theme show that lived up to the hype we all want to? Uh, I think when the Raw went retro. I love that yeah. one. See, they can do cool stuff like that. Raw 25 was just such a mess. Yes. But they at least brought the star power. Mm-hmm. And I wish SmackDown had done the same because I, I have more faith in their writers that they would have had it made more sense. I would have killed for an in-ring segment between JBL and AJ Styles. You know, because I think he would have brought the best out in AJ. You have JBL full heel mode. Uh, and everything like that. Bring back the cabinet. Yeah, dude, bring back the limo, you know, whatever, dude. Uh, but they didn't do any of that. And that, and that, that to me is such a miss. 
is is such a big, big miss. But Not even a recorded <laughs> message from the People's Champion, the Rock Show, nothing. It's funny because you see, I know Rock does like Instagram videos for yeah. like one minute. He couldn't just he make one. Didn't he weigh in on it? Did he even weigh in on who's going to win Undertaker Triple H? He might not have. No. But, uh, it's like, come on. Well, the other thing they brought was uh, was a Jerry Lawler and Booker T for the, the, the New Day commentary. You saw like, I guess it was supposed to be their turn to talk. And Jerry Lawler's just sitting there, and Booker T realized the camera's on them. He starts hitting him on the on his arm. I didn't see that. No. And, and then like Jerry woke up and started talking, calling the match. But yeah, you're right. I, I kind of wish maybe more guest commentators. I mean, it's it's kind of tough. They already got the the table's full already. It's a, change it up. I don't care. Sorry, Todd Phillips, Corey Graves, whoever take a like, Saxton for sure. Saxton take move a over hike forever. Like <laughs> yeah, the, you're right. I wish the, more. It should have been Cole and Taz for the night, or Cole, Taz, and JBL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, I, I don't know. And I'm sure there's, look, there's scheduling reasons, and stuff like that. Shell out the big bucks and get them there. Do what you got to do. They got that money from uh crown jewel. Yeah. They were in DC. It's not that long a flight from New York for Taz. Well, yeah. And, and the evolution thing, I think it just would have made more sense if it was just Batista. Since I know Batista, like he got his big championship run under SmackDown live. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. I, I think I wish more star powers there and more bigger moments. So like, oh, my God. I mean, as far as a title change, New Day losing the titles, I'm glad that happened. Because I feel like at these big shows, something big needs to happen like you would see normally on a pay-per-view. Yeah. Big Are show you ha- heel turn, joining yeah. the bar. I don't know. I don't get that. That's so random. It yeah. I I mean, one of the cool things they could have done, too, is we're getting into our list of our top five SmackDown superstars. Okay. On my honorable mention list from is Kurt Angle. Okay. So you had Kurt Angle this past week on Raw sort of get out of having his first singles match in a long time on WWE television. You have him do it on SmackDown. Have him show up and be like, look, I'm still on vacation from Raw, but, uh, you know, I thought, you know, why not add SmackDown 1000, have my first singles Mac match back in WWE and have him, you'd have him beat whoever, you know, whatever you want to do. Uh, you could even you bring bring Eric Angle back and have him pull the sort of like the, you have, have Kurt Angle show up with the, the old wrestling headgear and the, and the wig on underneath it, you know, like they used to do. It would have been tremendous. There are so many things that they could have done with people that are in their company, you know, callbacks to the history of SmackDown that they just didn't do, that they did for Raw 25, granted with not tremendous success, but at least at least put forth the effort. So it just felt like, regular episode of SmackDown Live with a couple I did like seeing Rey Mysterio again. That was cool. Uh, but they didn't even give him his, his leapfrog entrance there. <laughs> they were Who's pushed for time. the sky? Yeah. You uh, know, they cut off his entrance. Yeah. Well, and even his, after he won the match, they kind of cut it off abruptly because Undertaker started coming out to the ring. There was no commercial break in between the two. Yeah. As soon as the match was done and he raised his hand as a winner, all of a sudden the room goes dark and Undertaker starts coming out. So yeah, that's kind of... Huh? It was, that was bad. Yeah. It was kind of really rushed at the end, too. I mean, Undertaker's walk to the ring was longer than what, what he, he said. said. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our... So we're talking SmackDown, the his, the great, illustrious history of the blue brand. I will give WWE credit for that YouTube video that they came out, they put out there online about Eddie Guerrero, mm-hmm. uh, which was very cool. I recommend giving that a watch. It's like 20 minutes. Uh, it should have been longer. And I'd like to see them do more stuff like that. Uh, but I do want to get into our top five... SmackDown superstars. I mentioned Kurt Angle's an honorable mention. I'll throw AJ Styles and The Miz in there, too. Not quite cracking my top five. It's hard. It's hard to pick five names. But at five, I got my boy, the doctor of thugonomics, John Cena. You know, it's it's hard because some guys jumped around brands a lot, so I don't really associate 
certain people with just one brand during the brand split era, so to speak. But John Cena, I think he did a lot on SmackDown, uh, especially early on in his rise. Mm-hmm. So he comes in at number five for me. Edge, rated R superstar, number four. Uh, three is somebody that sort of was sort of the analog to Shawn Michaels on Raw, but like the legend that was on SmackDown during the brand split, the first brand split was The Undertaker. And I think Undertaker, he added a lot of legitimacy to to SmackDown by being on that show. The Phenom on SmackDown, it's a big deal. Also, I felt like kind of his time, that was... Well, okay, it was interesting with him. You know, he was going through a lot of gimmick changes at the, the point as far as American Badass and all that stuff. So, But I think also there was a point where... He was kind of on the down of his career, so I wouldn't say cruise control, but he was like he was working less dates, if I remember correctly. He started having some killer matches on on SmackDown. He sort yeah. of, I feel like, revitalized himself when he was part of the the SmackDown brand. Yeah, but there was also times where he kind of took some breaks as well. But also, he was that was a great time for him to win a lot of the world title a few times. Yeah, during that era as well for him. So he definitely kind of while a lot of guys were owning Raw, he kind of made SmackDown his own thing. Yeah, that's what I mean. Having a legend like that on SmackDown definitely added credibility to that brand. Number two, uh, I, I go back and forth on two and one just because they are, the, in my opinion, two of the biggest success stories on SmackDown. It's Eddie Guerrero and JBL. You know, Eddie Guerrero, incredibly entertaining, so talented in the ring. Uh, he did so many fun things on SmackDown, and a lot of it, including with JBL, uh, you know, but but Eddie is somebody that uh, obviously we miss dearly. Died way too young. But if you haven't, if you're not familiar with his stuff, Los Guerreros, the lie, cheat, and steal, every everything, the Latino heat, China, uh, yeah, stuff, yeah. Even though that was pre-brand split, but that stuff was still all gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie Guerrero was such a gem to watch. And then JBL, somebody who had been a career, you know, pretty much tag team wrestler. They've been in the hardcore division, always like sort of like the rough and tumble cowboy completely reinvents himself in this in this John Bradshaw Layfield character and is sort of people have compared Jinder Mahal's push to the world title to his Jinder's title run was not nearly as successful JBL might be the biggest smackdown success story in terms of the brand split with his title run mm-hmm. and just how it sort of it redefined his entire career and that character is who then transitioned in the commentary desk. And JBL, as a commentator for a great portion of his run there at the desk, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And was phenomenal at getting others over and stuff like that. So JBL, to me, I think I mean, he's such a huge SmackDown success story. Interesting. Yeah, and no, I, I agree with you there. Uh, for my five, I, I'm, I mean, there was, I agree with you all of those, and I can easily just It's fine if we reinforce. overlap. No, but just for the sake of keeping it fresh, uh, one that stands out to me is, I mean, Edge, like, okay, back then, that first brand split, that was, you know, uh, college years for me. So that was, like, a lot of times, like, getting pizza on Friday nights, watching SmackDown Live, tuning in for all that, and just that that was, like, that brand split era when that launched, that was, like, the post-attitude era. So that was definitely... It was a new direction for WWE as far as, okay, how are they going to move on from the Shawn Michaels, from the Stone Cold Steve Austin era, all that stuff, the 90s that we grew up loving. This is, you know, the 2000s, how we're going to move on. So it was interesting, a lot of new guys who got their pushes on that show. So Edge, I always felt like, you know, he's 11-a-time champion, and most of those championship runs were on SmackDown. So he didn't necessarily have like super long title reigns. Like no. I think more, not more than a couple months or a few months, but 
he was successful or was champion on that show. So for a good portion, he was the face of that of the show. Yeah. Um, but, the reason why I didn't put Edge higher is because I also have so many high associated moments with him on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, know, rated RKO and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that, and and you know the, but his the solo live run. sex celebration with Lita and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but also his his stuff with you know Vicky Guerrero and yeah. their, their marriage and divorce, all that stuff. Another person was someone that he would lose the belt to uh, is uh, uh, Jeff Hardy. Yeah, for a guy who was known as a tag team, the Hardy Boys. For him to branch off on his own, get a solo run, and became like the next big thing for SmackDown. He got uh, the fact that he was IC champion and moved up to world champion. I think it was great for him. That's like, wow, this tag team was already legendary on their own, the Hardy Boys. But the fact that he could split off and do his thing while Matt was on ECW and his ECW championship run. But for Jeff to get a championship solo run, I was like, wow, that's really cool for him. Just that extended his career with the company at the time. Also, you know, hey, love him or hate him, say what you want to say, CM Punk, as far as coming over, you know, um, from ECW. I mean, obviously. Is, I liked the Straight Edge Society. Yeah. I wish I had gotten a longer run. Yeah, I mean, that was he a big. screwed up Nexus, though. Yeah. Oh, CM uh, Punk ruined Nexus. Exa- oh, absolutely. Uh, but as far as him, you know, coming over and get, he fans loved him from the ECW show, I mean, obviously obviously from the indies and stuff like that, but for him to get kind of that push and win the world title and then the Straight Edge Society, I think it, the SmackDown Live, what I love is like while Raw was like the big name players, SmackDown was the show that they gave like the fresh new talent their pushes. And I feel like that sort of persists yeah. today mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you there. And then like, yeah, SmackDown was always, I thought, the birthplace of John Cena. So just everything he's ever done there yeah. was big moments. And then Brock Lesnar, I always thought Brock, he had you know his big moments on that show as well. I mean, with uh, him in the big show when the ring broke. The ring broke and so, yeah, yeah that, that was a legendary. I was like, I've never seen that before. So that was pretty cool just seeing that as well. Um, another guy is Batista. When I think of Smack champions that were exclusively on SmackDown, I think of uh, uh, Edge, Undertaker, and Batista. I thought Batista, when he broke away from Evolution and became a face, and his time to really shine as a solo wrestler was on SmackDown, and he became like just every week, you know, his music, and then he like you know the pyro firework, looking at me like that. What? He did what he would get on the ground, you know, bend his knees. Oh, and I'm aware. <laughs> I'm also aware that we're on radio. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, <laughs> oh my god! And like yes. the pyro and the fireworks go off behind him. That was badass. I was like, here, you know, it's like here comes you know the man right now. And then, uh, man, I'm trying to think of someone else. I'm trying to think of a tag team. I mean, CM Punk. I mean, London see. and Kendrick had a great run. Yes, longest <laughs> reign for keep, a while. Oh, I mean, okay. Here's okay. Well, tag teams. I always felt like they always had like the weird gimmick. Deuce and Domino. Deuce and Domino. Cherry. And then um um uh, Billy Gunn and um oh Billy and Chuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of just goofy. Dude, they should have shown that segment too because one of my all time sort of mark out moments was when they were doing Billy and Chuck's wedding. Yeah. And the minister, you know, they were doing the three minute warning gimmick on Monday Night Raw. 
And the minister is doing, you know, does, love is sacred. doesn't matter if you've been together for six months, six years, or three minutes. And it's yeah. like, oh, my God. It was like Mission Impossible with Eric Bischoff, like, revealing himself. That was a crazy moment. That was, he was so well done. Great. They ruined it a little bit, like, a month later when they had Stephanie do the same thing back, and it just yeah. wasn't as cool. It's so, like, just let Eric have that. Also, you know, just to... to- Give kudos where it's due. In all the SmackDown GMs, Teddy Long, Vicky Guerrero, like they were all great for what they did. I mean, the fact that what I like about Teddy, you know, you know the Undertaker. One on one with the Undertaker. Or, tag team match tag player. Team match, tag team match player. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, yeah. he, had, alla, alla, alla. he had his shtick and he played it up every week on, on SmackDown. Vicky, you know, did her thing as well. I want to give an honorable mention to the SmackDown Fist. Yeah, I agree. Nobody I, loves a good fisting like Baby Huey. Yes, but I was kind of bummed that they were going to, I thought they might bring it out yeah, for the Yeah, they should have. They should have had the old school set. They didn't do a lot of things. I wish maybe, okay, it, when SmackDown goes over the Fox in next year, I think they should do a full rebrand setup, make themselves completely different looking in Raw. Maybe as for fun, bring back the fist. I always Something. thought the fist was always, I love that uh, as well. Uh, man, God, there's so many wrestlers. I'm trying to think. Uh, Jericho had a great run on there as well. I mean, you know, getting gored by a rhino. Yeah. Was that before the brand split? That was. I think, uh, I don't remember exactly when, but I just know that was on SmackDown. That was on SmackDown. Run, yeah. Man. But we, we do, we do got a roll as we're running long. I do want to plug. Oh, the- another honorable mention, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Uh, I do I do want to plug the NWA 70th anniversary show this Sunday. You can catch it on Fight TV. Two out of three falls. Our boy Cody taking on Nick Aldis for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Lots of other great matches and appearances going to be going on there. But we got to roll. So for Baby Huey, I'm Bimbo Jimbo. And remember, if you're not in the click, see ya. And I wouldn't want to be ya.